there is there is really there's really no reason for you to know the name of Maria Banyas. But Maria Banyas is the oldest person alive. She is, as of this morning, I looked it up on the internet, she is 116 years and 50 days. Now, some of you may say to me, well, don't you prepare your sermons a long time in advance? And you know, and yes, I do. So why is it that I looked up her, who the oldest person alive was today? You know why, don't you? Because when you're 116 years and 50 days old, you may not be the oldest person alive tomorrow, right? So how many of you would like to live to 116 years of age? Raise your hands. I'd like to see you. Okay, there's, there's one or two, I see. How many of you want to see tomorrow morning? I want to see if you're out there. Okay, there we go. Okay, you're listening now. You raise your hands and such. Well, uh, you know, I don't think that most people would like to... I mean, if I told you that she, she got up and swam two miles every morning and that she played, you know, after breakfast and... I mean, before breakfast and then she, after breakfast she uh, played tennis until lunch, you'd probably say, I want to live like that till I'm 116 years of age. But I'm going to tell you the truth. She's been in a nursing home in Spain for the last 22 years. And I think that most of us don't want to live like that. We don't want to live in a, in a place. We want to remain mobile. I think we do. Anyway, I'd like to remain mobile. I mean, I'd, I'd like to remain somewhat in control of my life. You know, and I mean, I, for me, I don't know about you, but for me, I think it'll be a sad day when my kids take the car keys away. And you know that's what happens. That's what happens, folks. Or you give it up. You may, you may give it up, you know, willingly. I do understand that. You may give it up willingly. But we, we'd like to remain, you know, healthy. We'd like to have, you know, there's going to be some aches and pains that we have as we get older. And I think you know that as well. But we want to enjoy some life, you know, and, and you want to live. There's a lot of people, I want to tell you, they are alive, but they're not living. I mean, I, I go by their homes, sometimes visit people. Let me tell you what, I, I can guarantee you what's going on in your life. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not picking on anybody here. I want you to understand that. Go by their homes and their television is always on. It's usually on some news station. It stays on that news station. They end up not venturing out in the world. Because I can tell you what, if you watch the news all day long, it will scare you and you don't want to go out anywhere. I promise you that's the, what will happen to you. you. They have very little contact with the outside world. Their world of friends is shrinking. It's getting smaller and smaller. And when, let me say this to you. When they die, there's going to be very few people, very few friends at least, at their funeral. I did the funeral of this lady who was not a member of this church. It was several years ago. And I didn't know her. So I went to her family and said, can, what can you tell me about her life? And they said, oh, she has just, just so many friends, hundreds of friends. I mean, they just told me all about her friends. And so I prepare my, uh, my funeral messages based on what I know about that person. And so I prepared my funeral message about how loving like Jesus loved, you know, is, is important. And loving, here was the problem. When I did the funeral, none of them were there. It was an empty room except for her family. And what I probably believe is, I mean, I believe probably what happened is that somewhere down the line, she had lots of friends, but she stopped making friends. 
Because you know what happens to a lot of people that say, I've got all the friends I need. Let me tell you what, your friends will leave you eventually. If you live long enough, your friends are going to leave you. I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to die. They're going to move. They're going to go to nursing homes and you won't see them there. They will not be at your funeral. And you will have less and less contact with people if you are not always making friends. You always need to be in the friend business. And so the people that, I will say this, that, that do not continually make friends die alone except possibly for their family. Now, if I said to you, though, that you could have a legacy that you'd leave behind, that you could have a vitality in your life that continued to go on until the, the day that you died, would you want to live like that? Would you want to live longer if you could live like that? And so let's look at the scripture and see what the scripture says about how long we'll live. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. It says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. It says here, just very plainly, living forever has nothing to do with your physical state. What does it say? It says that all flesh is what? Like what? Grass. And you know, how long does grass live? It lasts for a few months at most. I used to uh, bag my, my grass. You know, I mowed my grass. I'd, I'd bag it, you know, and then put it out and let them pick it up. I, I don't do that anymore. I mulch my grass. You know why? Because it only takes a very short period of time. It goes back into the soil. And as it goes back into the soil, it, it refreshes the soil one more time. So it doesn't even last very long after it has been cut. It doesn't even last much longer than that afterwards. It'll go right back into the soil. Your physical state may have been excellent as a teenager. And I remember a young, uh, 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 well, a high school senior. She said this to me. She said, you know, as men get older, they get more distinguished. But when women get older, they just become old hags. Now, she was 18 years of age, you understand? That was 40 years ago. She's 58 years of age now. Now, I don't agree with her. Don't you understand? I don't agree with her in what she said. But I think that we need to recognize that men and women, as we get older, we do a little sagging, don't we? The flesh is going to reveal it to us. There's a guy that I was, I was preparing this. There's a guy in the mid-40s that spends $2 million per year to maintain the body of an 18-year-old. Do you know how he, what he found out? This is what he found out at $2 million a year. He found out that eating the right foods and exercise were absolutely necessary. I mean, I could have given him that advice and taken the $2 million just for one year, you know? That's what he found out. But I will tell you this. He's still fighting a losing battle. This flesh is going to sag. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. When we started putting these online, there were some of my friends that I hadn't seen in, you know, many, many, many years. And you know what they said to me? They said, you still look the same. You know what that proves? I've said this to you before. 
This is what it proves. Beauty fades, but ugly stands the ravages of time. I'll tell you that. (laughs) It's still there. That's what it proves. So when you get into a group of older people, what do you typically talk about? Well, all of the things that are going wrong with us, isn't it? Men get the bees. You know what the bees are? They get baldness, bifocals, bridges, bulges, and bunions. That's the bees. So you need to know that all flesh is like grass. But here's what else it says. Living forever has nothing to do with your accomplishments either. It talks about the flowers on the grass. Let me ask you if you know who these people are. Do you know who Jacob Fugger was? Now, let me tell you something about him. He lived from 1459 to 1525. He's a German merchant, a mining uh, entrepreneur, and he was worth $221 billion to $400 billion in today's money at his death. You don't even know who he is. How about Stephen Gerard? Do you know who Stephen Gerard is? 1750 to 1831. He's a French-born American banker worth 105 billion to 120 billion in today's money at death. Now, this one you might even recognize the name: John Jacob Astor. He was lived from 1763 to 1848. He was a German-American businessman, merchant, opium uh, smuggler, fur trader, investor. He was worth 120 billion to 138 billion in today's money at his death. Do you know what every one of these people had in common besides being rich? They all died just like poor people. That is absolutely the truth. How about in 1967? Some of you can remember 1967. In 1967, these three companies that I'm going to name to you were in the top 10 of American companies. Tell me if you can remember who they are and where they are. Eastman Kodak. Non. Sears Roebuck and Company. Polaroid. Gone. You realize this. And what about these famous preachers, the most famous preachers of the 20th century? These are in the top five of all preachers of the 20th century. James S. Stewart, you don't know him. George Buttrick, you don't know him. Harry Emerson Fosdick, you probably don't know him. You realize, so when I'm trying to say the flower, the glory that you produce on this earth, fades as well. The flower has fallen off. And I imagine that in the zenith of these people's lives, they thought, I will be remembered forever. These billionaires, these companies, and this, and these uh, people. And no matter, no matter how famous you were, and and, and no matter how famous Mary Pickford was in her day, Most of you have no idea who she was. She was a film actress. And so no one imagines in their zenith that when it comes, that it will come to pass for all of us that our flower will fade, but it does. So what is living forever? Living forever with vitality. Living forever means that you invest yourselves in eternal things not in temporary things. And I can tell you what some temporary things are. Money is temporary. 
having wide, being widely known is temporary. Having a large following is temporary. All of those things are temporary. But so what lasts forever? You have to ask yourself this question. Well, people last forever. It says in John chapter 5, verse 28, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good in the resurrection of life and those who have done evil in the resurrection of judgment. Does it say that anybody's going to perish forever? The answer is no. Everybody lasts forever. So that many of the people that possibly in this room, they think that when Jesus came to give us eternal life, what he was doing was giving us an extension of this life. But Jesus didn't lengthen our lives. I don't care if you followed Jesus or you didn't follow Jesus, you do last forever. Jesus gave us life, not an extension of this life. So what do we need to do in order to understand the, what, has hap- what Jesus has done in saying, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly? See, eternal life must have purpose truly to truly be life. It must have purpose this is the concept, there is, there is a concept that is out there that, that people are told that you're going to go to heaven, you're going to sit on a cloud, and you're going to play a harp for eternity. That is not anywhere in the Bible, by the way. See, I believe that what's going to happen in heaven is we're going to grow in our understanding and service to our Lord forever. I don't know what happens to those people that are thrown in the lake of fire. I read that in the book of Revelation. Those people who, they're going to be resurrected to a what? To a, an eternity of, of being in this lake of eternal fire. I don't know what happens to them, but I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like it. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you here? So I believe that people are going to last forever. And the Word of God also says that God's Word lasts forever. It says that in this passage we just read. And while the Bible contains God's Word, that isn't all that this means. Therefore, as I said before, our legacies are created in uh, investments in what? In people and in God's Word. But let's go a little deeper here. There are two words in the Greek for Word, for God's Word especially. Okay, logos and rhema are synonyms for word used in the Greek Bible. And you'll find that they're in there. Now, you don't see that designated because in English, we only have one word for word. It's word. You understand? But when you read the scriptures from the Greek, it has two different words that are used in there. Now, it's a synonym. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a definition of a synonym is a word or phrase that means exactly... uh, are nearly the same as another word or phrase in the same language. For example, shut is the synonym of close. That comes from Oxford. So what we're trying to say here is, while they can mean exactly the same, they are sometimes different. Do you understand? It can be different and still be a synonym that is there. Logos is used of Jesus. When you read, and it says in, in uh, John 1 1, it says, In the beginning was the Logos in the Word, and the Logos was, was God, and the Logos was God. That is what has been used of Jesus. 
So the Logos is used many times to denote God's word and how God's word is proclaimed. This is the way it is. But rhema is used in the effectual proclamation of God's word. In other words, I might preach the logos, but the way that you receive it could be the rhema. In other words, if it has an effect on you, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an effectual type thing. That's why we find in Romans ten seventeen it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the rhema of Christ. The word of Christ. In other words, it's had an effect on your life. It has caused you to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. It has come to, uh, to you so that you make a, a change in your life. There's an effectual thing that goes on in your life. And that's the, the rhema that we have there on, in this. And so the logos and the rhema, they are closely associated with each other. And the rhema will always agree with the logos. In other words, this here is the logos. You understand that? But it becomes the rhema when it starts to have an effectual change in our lives. See, preaching has a direct purpose. Preaching seeks a change in the one listening from the change in the one preaching from the logos. In other words, unless this word becomes the rhema to me, there's a change in my life. And then I preach it to you. It will be the Logos. But it becomes the rhema when you are changed by God's word. So preaching isn't necessarily what a preacher does. But when, when uh, we speak God's word. See, it is, it is when we receive it in reality. And we're changed by this Logos. And it becomes the rhema to us. And that rhema changes others around us, in fact. And I, I don't want to get into this in such a way to confuse you in a great way. But you want to see the difference between Logos and Rhema. Because the word that they used here, that the word of the Lord remains forever, is the Rhema. This is the word that they're using. That the change in, that this uh, scripture has made on you changes forever. See, God's word is effectual when it is sent out. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, when we give out the word of God, the logos of God, and we give that logos, there will be people out there that will let it remain the logos. They're not changed at all. They don't get changed at all. And what happens is, but there will be people that are out there that it becomes the rhema and they are changed. They become a different people because of it. And, and, and you know what I'm talking about. There have been times that you've been somewhere and someone has been preaching and it has so moved you that you changed what you were doing because it became that rhema of God. It became that, that change in your life. But you know, you say, but, but what about, it says, but God's word always goes out. Well, in the, in the Hebrew, they don't have the distinction there between the, the the Logos and the, and the Rhema here. But I would say this. There will be times that you can read the scripture and it says that God has hardened their hearts. And you're saying, did God just harden their hearts? Well, let me tell you what happened. The word of God went out to these people and they rejected it. And guess what happened to them? It accomplished exactly what God knew it was going to accomplish. It hardened their hearts. Why? Because they rejected it and they would not handle it. They would not deal with it. And that's what happened with Pharaoh. 
When Pharaoh, it says, Pharaoh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. When God continues to give you his word, when God continues to give you his grace, and you continue to say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to follow you. No, I'm not going to be changed. I'm going to be the same person that I've always been. I'm going to be exactly who I am. I'm happy with who I am right now, and I'm going to be that person. Then your heart gets hardened. And guess what? God knew that was going to happen before it started, before he even uh, had that word preached to you or read to you or whatever it might have happened. And it accomplished exactly what God sent it out for. And you're saying, did God, you mean God hardened their hearts? Yes, he hardened it because they hardened their hearts. They rejected what God wanted. See, God's word is more than the Bibles that contain it. If every word, if every Bible was destroyed, every Bible was destroyed in the world today, God's word would still exist because it would be, it would exist in the people who had received it. It would still be with us in this. I know you've probably heard that we're only one generation from our faith disappearing. I think that this statement is faithless, for it denies God's word. The effectual word that is received by you cannot be snuffed out any more than you can be snuffed out. Understand that what is going on in our lives when we receive that word of God and it changes us. I mean, look at how many times that God's word has tried to be eliminated. Look at when you go into to Russia and the Soviet Union, rather, and they were trying to get rid of every Bible that was out there. And did the word of God disappear? Not a bit. Not a bit. People who had been changed by the word of God were still speaking the word of God and God's word continued on even when they didn't have Bibles that they could pass around. They were still had God's word there. See, martyrdom is not explainable without a rhema of God coming into us so that we are so changed that we're willing to give our life for what that word said. It's the only way that martyrdom is understood. We have been changed. The word of God has not been what it is intended without people going beyond their own physical pleasures, desires for possessions, and money, and the adulation of others. The word of God has not been what it is intended. And the God's grace, God's intention is, is that we will receive it, and that because we have received it, we are changed, and that testimony means something. We find that there was a shoe clerk named Edward Kimball. He leads a guy to the Lord named Dwight Lyman Moody. D.L. Moody, probably the greatest evangelist of the 19th century, would preach to a guy named Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman would find a large following, take up uh, Moody's mantle, and he would preach to a guy named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday would preach to, uh, had large crowds he was preaching to, and he would preach to a guy named Mordecai Ham. Mordecai Ham receives this word just like the others did. And he goes around preaching, and he preaches to a guy named Billy Graham. Do you understand how this works? And you'll say, well, that's great because they're all famous preachers. No, no. You knew who I started off with? Edward Kimball. And what did he do? He was a shoe clerk. Do you understand what's going on here? And this word existed long after Edward Kimball was no longer on this earth. 
If you want to live forever, meaning having an eternal impact with your life, invest yourself into the logos of God. If you want to live forever, you know, if you want to have an eternal impact, you invest yourself in the logos of God. Let the Holy Spirit make the, the rhema of God so that it so changes you into someone who will do something about it. And then when you speak it and live it, others will be changed too. Living forever is actually one thing then. People last forever. God's word lasts forever. Investing yourself in God's word so that you will invest in others with God's word means that you will have a legacy that goes on. This was actually Jesus' plan of discipleship. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them what? To observe, to carefully watch, to guard is what it means. All that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God's word has the rhema effect on you. You've received it. You are changed by it. And you are observed to be Christ-like because you have been changed by it. And you are obeying what Jesus Christ has said. And you know what you do? Then you make disciples that are just like yourself. I'm always hearing people say, don't be like me. Be what I say, not what I do. No, you need to live a life so that people will do what you do. And I have found that people do what you do rather than what you say. I can give you an example and prove that to you right now. I said, I want you to take your finger out right now. When everybody do this, everybody's got a finger. Right now, take your finger. I want to make sure you're awake too. You don't have your finger up. I don't think you're awake. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to shake you or, or you're dead. Anyway, so the, uh, and I want you to take your finger and I want you to put it on your cheek. I said cheek, didn't I? What did you do? You did what I did. You did what I did right away. I saw you do that. See, people do what you do, not what you say. They do what you do. I shared Christ this is many years ago in England, and to a, there was a lady that I mean, you know, went over to her house and she wanted to you know have us all over there. I don't know why she had we had tea about four in the afternoon, and when I asked her about how she thought that she was going to live forever, she said, "I think we live on through our children." In other words, she was saying that through our children, they get our genes and then their children get their genes and our genes are mixed in there and on and on and on. And I looked at her and said, what about those people that don't have children? And she just looked at me. She just looked at me and I don't know what she thought. I said, what happens to you? What happens to you? See, but the truth is, is she was closer to the truth than I realized. You realize what I'm saying to you here? All people will last forever. What do we need to do? We've got to invest it and make disciples. Or what we're going to have happen is, is that we're going to have no legacy that continues on. In other words, we might have faith, but if we don't share that with others and we don't build into this into others, what happens? It dies right there. It dies right there. And, you, and I've heard people say, well, I made all the disciples I need. Didn't you hear me when I said you made all the friends you needed? 
What happens to you when you, you say, okay, I made several disciples. If you can tell me when you stand before the Lord and there's a judgment uh, uh, seat of Christ and you're standing there and he says, where are your disciples? You're going to say, well, and you, maybe you've got some. And you say, here they are. But here's the problem that you have if you want to live forever is some of your disciples aren't going to make disciples. Some of them are going to flake out on you. And because they don't make any disciples, there's no legacy that continues on. You see, we've got to be these kind of people that do this for all of our lives. That is, disciples make disciples who make disciples. That's got to be our legacy. And therefore, what we will find is, not only is there a, there's an energy that is in us for the days that we're able to do this, But there is a life that goes on after we are gone for many, many, many years. Remember, Edward Kimball, D.L. Moody, Wilbur Chapman, Billy Sunday, Mordecai Ham, Billy Graham. You understand that? Pray with me. Father, I pray that we will be those people who make disciples.